Hey, welcome back to the Nothing Ventured podcast. We're on episode five, and this episode is all about how to talk to brands. Before we get into that, I wanted to say hello, uh, let you know what I've been up to, and you know, sort of check in. Really, I took a bit of a break from the last episode I posted, which would have been, I think, end of January, maybe the start of February, uh, just because my freelance schedule got ridiculous in February. Uh, January was quite quiet post Christmas, and I think because there was like rumors of a potential lockdown here, everyone kind of went, oh, you know, let's not plan anything too crazy. And then when it was confirmed that that wasn't happening, it was like all hell broke loose here. So, uh, you know, a good problem to have. Obviously, you know, the more I work, the more I earn. So, you know, the more I can do uh, my job, then, you know, obviously it's the best thing for me. But it meant that a lot of my personal content obviously got uh, put on the back burner, uh, which isn't really in line with what I want from the next sort of year or so. I've definitely set out a, a roadmap for my personal content as well as, you know, the business. So it's finding time to manage all of those things and to service them in the way that I want, you know, to get the most out of it. So yeah, uh, it's you know, it's been good. If you don't follow my work account, um, that's usually where I post sort of more day-to-day updates in terms of, you know, the work I'm doing. So uh, it's in my bio on my Instagram. I think it's work at jo- work with George. I should get that right. Um, and yeah, you can just see some of the projects I'm working on and, you know, it's sort of like behind the scenes as well, which I know some people really enjoy. So, uh, yeah, if uh, you've been keeping up with me and everything I'm doing, um, I posted a setup tour on my YouTube channel last month and it did really well. I, I, you know, I thought it would do okay. I thought maybe like, I don't know, I I posted one about two years ago and and that did 40,000 views up to this point. So obviously two years, a lot longer for it to have, uh, you know, gradually built, um, those views, but we've just hit 45,000 views. So that's obviously really exciting and it's really encouraging. It makes me you know, feel good about posting stuff on YouTube because, you know, YouTube content obviously being long form, similar to a podcast, it's a lot of time and you need to really plan YouTube content. I find, um, you can't just go into it, you know, gung ho and hope for the best. You need to have an idea of what the outcome is going to look like so that you can, you know, go into those shooting days with, the best idea of how to actually approach it. So, uh, yeah, you know, obviously seeing positive results is really encouraging because it's so much time and so much effort to actually make a YouTube video. And that's one of the things that people don't appreciate. And I certainly didn't. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting month for that. Uh, I'm very close to achieving monetization status, which is amazing. That's something I've always wanted for YouTube. So, you know, it's nice to have those milestones being reached now. So yeah, really good. Um, just trying to think what else I've been up to. Uh, well, I actually started filming the Tesla review video. Um, we're very close to having that finished now. I reckon by the end of this week, um, by the way, today is the 13th. Um, so yeah, by the end of this week, I reckon we'll be able to have that all wrapped and hopefully out on the YouTube. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how things get on. I don't want to make any promises because I know how things get on my schedule. So yeah, like I said at the start, this episode is all about how to actually talk to brands and ensure that you're leveraging the most out of those conversations. Um, so let's run the intro. We'll get straight into it. 
if you're watching, you'll have noticed the laptop in front of me. Just, you know, that, that it's not a script or anything. It's just talking points. I just wanted to make sure on this episode that, you know, I've got a reference so that I'm not missing anything obvious. Um, you know, there's a reason why I keep these things unscripted. You know, I want there to be organic discussion on the topics that I talk about. And I think it's a really good opportunity for me to improve my sort of talking, speaking skills. Wow, that was a bad way of putting it. But, you know, I'm trying to say it like um, coming up with coherent sort of subjective talking points is really difficult. So uh, this is a really good opportunity for me to improve on that skill. So, um, yeah, just to provide a bit of context about why I wanted to talk about how to talk to brands and just sort of put that into context. What I mean by that is not so much from a freelance perspective, if you're someone who has started to build an audience on social and you're getting the interest of brands or you potentially want to work with brands further down the line, then this episode is all about those sorts of conversations and how to best approach them to ensure that you're getting the most out of it as a creator. So I'm in a uh, direct message group on Instagram with a number of other um, creators, desk nerds, uh, who, you know, we all talk about all sorts of things, but one of the things that comes up quite a lot are brand partnerships that we sort of, you know, get offered. And it's definitely like my first point of reference. So if a brand uh, pops up in my DMs or email that I haven't worked with before and I've got no idea what sort of expectations uh, I would have to work with them, the first thing I'll do is I'll go into that group and I'll say, hey guys, like, you know, whoever has reached out to me, have any of you worked with them before? And usually that just starts a discussion on, you know, whether they um, are good to work with, whether they pay, and what sort of things they generally look for. So, yeah, and within that group, I've noticed that, um, you know, a lot of those guys are really talented creators, but they haven't really got the experience of liaising with a marketing team or, you know, like an agency that obviously represents a brand, whereas that's my world. That's my background, right? So um, I went to university to do marketing. I worked in the marketing industry for a number of years and I'm very well versed in, you know, communicating with those sorts of teams. Uh, so we're definitely speaking the same language, but, you know, it's not something that everyone benefits from. So I've almost found myself in a position within that group where people will, you know, put things out and I've, I've had individuals in that group come to me and say, how would you respond to this? Um, so, you know, it's, it's nice to feel valued within there. It's uh, it's almost like I've got a purpose within it because obviously there's some really fucking great people in there. So it's nice to be able to help out where I can and provide value to those guys too. Um, so yeah, I guess the main purpose of this episode is just to ensure that you approach those conversations with brands or whoever's representing them in a way that makes sure that you are not being taken advantage of. Now, it's not to say that, you know, brands are inherently bad people or whatever, but they've got, you know, budgets and they want to do everything they can to keep their costs low and to make the biggest impact. So paying creators probably isn't uh, the biggest target for them. They want to get as much content as they can for as little you know, cost. And I get it. Like you know, I've been there, so I understand why they do it. But now that I'm on the sort of other side of things, I can appreciate how much time and effort goes into creating content. Um, so the first question you might have is why 
should I care about this? Like, why shouldn't I just be like happy to receive the product and, you know, do whatever they say. And, you know, that's, that's fair, but there's a couple of reasons why you might consider charging a fee or, you know, asking for more from a brand. So first of all, you've created an audience that they want to reach. Like your skills aside, the people that follow you are worth something that has value to these brands. You know, they've obviously recognized that you are a person of influence within that circle. So they want to leverage your audience by, you know, giving you a product that will hopefully encourage you to create a content piece for them. You know, that's worth something. So imagine if they were to go do a Facebook ads campaign, right? And they have to find that audience and then they have to spend money to actually reach them. So if you've got X amount of followers, you've taken all that work out of the equation for them because they know that those people are going to be very uh, engaged with your content and they obviously like the thing that you post about. So, you know, all of a sudden you've provided with them with a really easy uh, target audience and, you know, that, that, like I said, that's worth something. So that, you know, skills aside, that's really important for brands. Um, the second thing is obviously you're creating really high quality content, which is going to be sort of elevated from user-generated content, which is sort of just anyone with a phone most of the time. A lot of the uh, people that I follow and sort of operate within the same circle as me are very talented creators, and they create high-quality content that is authentic and engaging, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of effort. So, you know, you shouldn't, uh, you should be rewarded for producing that quality content, bottom line. Not everyone can do what you can do, and that gives it value. And especially when a brand is approaching you and saying, we love the thing that you're doing. We want to align ourselves with, you know, the content that you produce. All of a sudden, it's like, why wouldn't you want to charge for that? You know, if, if a client approached you and said, we want really high quality content made for our brand, you'd absolutely charge them. So it's no different when a client is asking you to create content for your own personal brand. Um, and then finally, you want to cover your time and your resources. We all know that camera gear is not cheap. And this hobby, if you want to call it that, this job, however you sort of look at your personal content, it demands a financial investment to actually get going. You know, not just the camera, but like lights and you know everything else that you need to invest in to make your content stand out and to, you know, get brands to notice you in the first place. So you obviously need a way of uh, covering that resource and paying for promotional slash brand partnerships is going to be the first step to doing so. Okay, so I'm going to give you an example now of um, how to actually communicate. And I guess this first example is when a brand reaches out to you and you know, there's no um, there's no mistaking what it is that they're after, right? So they've approached you and they've sent a message. Now I'm going to use a real example, and I'm going to use an example that um, I, I wasn't actually successful with, but I think it's a good uh, start. I think it's a good way of sort of outlining how to communicate with these brands. So the brand was BenQ, okay a big brand, a really big brand. Uh, specifically, it was their lighting department. So BenQ underscore lighting is the Instagram handle. 10,000 followers. Um, they still follow me. That's nice to know. Um, so yeah, not not a small account by any means. And 
even though BenQ lighting is obviously going to be a much smaller part of the brand, that's still a part of BenQ. They're still a massive multinational brand. They have budgets and they can afford to pay people. So um, just to summarize the message. Hi, this is Carl from BenQ, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we've seen your desk set up and where is it? Okay, there's a, there's a long message. Therefore, we would like to send you a free unit, $99 list price, and invite you to post a photo of your setup with BenQ screen part in action. Okay, so they sent a few links then, blah, blah, blah. So I replied, and I said, hey Carl, thanks so much for your message. I really appreciate the kind words. I've seen a few accounts using the screen bar and it looks like a great product. As I'm sure you can imagine, I get a lot of brands reach out to me looking to promote their products. That's true. There's a lot that goes into creating high quality content that is both authentic and engaging. So I charge a fee for this to cover my time and resources. So all the points we just talked about, they're all in this message straight away, right? With this in mind, my standard rate is 125 pounds for a sponsored feed post and 75 pounds for a story. If you go for both, the reduced rate is 150 pounds. And that, that, this was over a year ago now, just to put that out there. I charge a little bit more than that now. Um, but at the time, I was pretty happy to charge that. And obviously, my account was a lot smaller. I hadn't really done a lot of brand partnerships. So I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Um, but yeah, there you go. There's a good yardstick for how much I was charging at the time. I said, I hope this is helpful. Please let me know if you have any questions. Kind of regards, George. Um, and they got back to me in 10 hours. So, you know, with all the time difference, that's pretty immediate. And they said, uh, hi, thanks for your kind reply. However, since lighting is a smaller product line of BenQ, we have limited budgets, so we are not considering financial compensation for now. Thank you. Okay. So there's a few things there. Um, first of all, always approach these brands um, as if you're emailing them. So even though it can sort of take place on like Instagram direct messaging, try not to be too casual with it because these people aren't your friends. And, you know, definitely over time, you can build a rapport with like individuals who work there. So um, I know the guy who works at OrbitKey and you know, we follow each other on Instagram now. We've got a bit of a rapport going. Fine. You know, if me and him were going to have a chat, absolutely. I mean, much more casual. But if it's a brand account that's um, messaging you, uh, definitely, you know, reply to that as if you're formatting an email. So, you know, um, paragraphs, you know, hello, kind regards, etc. right? It just elevates, you know, your professionalism and you know how brands will perceive you and it's much more likely that they're going to say yes to the things that you're putting out there um you know i outlined exactly why i charge a fee and i didn't even ask right that's the one thing that i see a lot of people doing a lot of people say is there a budget for this don't entertain that just tell them what your rate is <laughs> um and let them answer if they say yes then you're in but you know, if you're asking, is there a budget? I've never seen anyone have success with that, really. So, uh, yeah, tell them what your rate is, see what they reply with, and then take from there. You should be charging for your, for your work. I think that's something that people don't uh, seem to realize. There are lots of very talented people on Instagram, sure. But these brands have recognized you and you individually that they want to align themselves with. And, you know, if everyone replied, hey, I charge a fee for this, wouldn't have a problem. These brands are looking for people that they can just get a free bit of content out of. And that's not okay, because, you know, uh, like I said, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into this. So 
that's kind of how I approach things when a brand reaches out to me. Now, I can appreciate that not everyone wants to charge uh, for these sorts of things. I get that. You know, there might be uh, a confidence problem there. Maybe you're just not feeling ready to charge. It might be that, I don't know, you don't really see Instagram as something you want to monetize. Completely understand that as well. Like, for the longest time, I didn't even um, accept sort of, you know, promotional stuff, um, partnership, brand partnerships even. Uh, I, I had a couple of messages really early on. So I think uh, I maybe had like 2,000 followers. And this was before like I'd even got properly involved in the tech stuff that I'm doing now. A uh, phone company, phone case company even called Cordob. I don't even know how you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, it's a phone case, C-A-U-D-A-B-E. Uh, they reached out to me when I had like no followers. Um, and I wasn't really sure what I was doing with the tech thing. I wasn't sure which direction I was going in. And I just said, no, I said, I'm not really looking to monetize my content at this point. So if, if you're in that camp, completely understand it, right? But I think you should, based on everything else I've said. But if, you know, you've decided you're not really ready to um, attach costs to the sort of work that you do on Instagram, fair enough. In that case, then you can ask for more out of that brand or you can reduce the amount of deliverables that you actually supply to them. So let's dive into that. I had a brand uh, last summer called Wandered uh, reach out to me. They're a big brand. They uh, make camera bags and camera accessories. They're nice premium products. They have a premium cost associated to them. So, you know, me creating content is obviously worth something to them because it's getting their products out there. And even if they make one sale, it's worth it, right? So they asked me, first of all, if I'd be willing to join their campaign for their tech and toiletry pouches, which were just like two little, um, you know, storage bag things. And they wanted a feed post and a story or two off the top of my head. It was something like that, right? It, was, it wasn't a huge amount of deliverables. So I knew that I probably couldn't really barter with them on the deliverable side. But by the way, this was like my first proper brand partnership. So this is before I'd even thought about like charging at this point. Um, but I knew that I wanted more out of it because, you know, they were only offering me these two little bags. They wanted access to my audience. They wanted me to create content. It was like, I don't know, this something doesn't really feel fair here. So I went back to them and I said, hey, look, I want to be involved, but is there anything else that you can sort of throw in to make this worth my time? And they were more than happy to do so. You got to remember that like uh, the cost price of a product isn't an indicator of how much it actually costs them to you know send a product and a lot of the time these brands will have a certain amount of products that they can just give out for free so these marketing departments or these agencies they they have like a, a number of products that they can just give out and it, it won't affect their budgets so they're more than happy to do that a lot of the time um i know that this is the case for nomad and orbit key that they're more than happy to send products out um but i know that they are a little bit funny about you know the payment side of things I probably shouldn't have said that, but that's fine. Um, so when Ben Q said to me, hey, you know, the uh, the cost price for this light bar is $99. It's like, sure, but it might have only cost you $10 to make. So it doesn't really mean anything. You know, at the end of the day, it's how much value do you perceive that thing to have? Is it something you really need? And, you know, if it is, then great. You know, at the time, I really needed a camera bag. So when Wanda reached out to me, I was like, 
amazing. Like I would love a wandered camera bag. So if I can find a way to get that out of this agreement, then I'm more than happy to be part of this campaign. So, uh, you know, a bit of back and forth with them. And they sent me like a fair few things. I, I was very happy with the amount that they sent me. Um, so, you know, in that case, it was more about me sort of bartering with them the value or like my perceived value of the products they were going to send me. So in that example, I think, you know, it, it shows how you still have bargaining power with these brands. You can still say to them, like, I don't want to do that much work or, you know, I'll do this much work, but I want this much out of it, right? So obviously it depends on the conversation you're having, but generally that's a good approach to have if you just don't feel ready to charge, you know, money for your work. So moving on from there, uh, how do you approach a situation if there's a brand that you want to work with, but hasn't yet reached out to you? So bear in mind that I've only got my own experiences to work off of here. Um, now I've had varying degrees of success with these sort of examples, um, but they do work. So let's uh, dive into those. So first of all, you can just directly reach out to them. You can just <laughs> send them a message or an email and just be like, Hey, uh, I do this thing. I'd love to work with you. How do you feel about that? And I did this with Rode microphones. I literally just sent them a DM on um, Instagram one day and I said, I would love to work with you guys. I'm a really big fan of your products. Have you got any collaboration opportunities coming up? I was very polite. Like I said, structured everything like an email. Um, you know, I made sure that my account was looking pretty up to speed. So, you know, everything was like relatively recent. My posts weren't, you know, months old. It was, uh, you know, on brand for them. And, you know, I gave myself the greatest chance of success for them to say, yeah, sure. Even though I was a much smaller creator than some of the other guys they're working with. And, you know, it took them a few days, but they did get back to me and they said, yeah, no, we, we'd love to work with you. So, you know, here's, here's our email. Um, you know, let's pick things up there. And last year, I'm not really doing much with them these days. Uh, they sent me a bunch of gear that I was really happy to receive. Obviously, that benefits me and not just my personal content, but also my freelance work. So that was a massive win for me. You know, th there wasn't any um, monetary value assigned to that project because I knew that they were sending me something that was worth so much to me at that point that I was like, I can't in good faith turn around and like say, great, here's, you know, I want the money as well. So, you know, it really just depends on the situation, but I think this gets easier as your account grows as well. Um, you know, like I said, bargaining power is a big thing. So if you've got 5,000 followers, which I appreciate for some people, that's a lot of followers, your bargaining power is, is not going to be as great as someone who's got 50,000 followers, obviously. Um, and at some point between those two numbers, I'm not really sure where it is, but at some point between those two numbers, uh, asking for money becomes a much smaller thing. It's kind of just a given, especially when you get over that, you know, how many figures is that six figure mark, hundred thousand plus that's when, you know, money's kind of a given on every single brand partnership. Um, I had the benefit of working with a, uh, influencer, um, for use of a better word, it's not the nicest word, but you know, we'll use it now, uh, about two weeks ago. And during the time that I was working with them, I was just constantly asking them questions like, how would you approach this situation? Like, what are your thoughts on this? Um, and they actually gave me a really good bit of insight into how they would approach a brand or, you know, if there's a brand that they really want to work with, but, you know, hasn't necessarily reached out to them. And they said, hey, I would love to work with you, you know, on a product exchange. 
usually I charge this much, but because you know I'm really keen to get this relationship going, I'm happy to give you a reduced rate. How does that sound? And I was like, ah, oh, that was actually a really good idea. I wish I had thought of that. But yeah, you know, just giving them like an incentive to go, yeah, sure, let's let's hear it out. Let's let's have that conversation. So um, yeah, that's definitely a good way of approaching that. Um, so yeah, just reaching out to them directly won't work all the time. Like I've I've had a couple of times where I've just you know received nothing back. So it's not a foolproof way of approaching it. But I have had success with it. You know, some brands are more receptive than others. It's a numbers game, right? So if that's not the way you want to do it, then a way that I've done it and has actually worked a couple of times for me is to create a content piece that sort of gets you on their radar. Um, so in the freelancing slash, you know, agency world, there's an idea called spec work. And that's essentially work that you're creating to demonstrate uh, that you have the skills you know, and the resource to be able to facilitate a certain type of work. So for example, if you wanted to work with Nike, Nike to you American people, um, you could create like a fake advert commercial, uh, see, bilingual podcast, look at me go, um, that basically, you know, shows proof of concept, so it shows that you can actually do this thing. And then, you know, using this work that you've created that isn't paid, obviously, you can then approach other brands and say, look what I can do. So similar sort of approach, but obviously on a smaller scale. Um, I have created a number of content pieces that I designed to get the attention of certain brands. So it doesn't always work. I recently painted my bedroom and the brand of paint I use was Lick Paint. Really nice product, really nice branding, really big fan of everything they do. Um, so I tagged the shit out of this post. <laughs> you know, I even took like a nice product photo of their um, paint tin, which is like part of their branding because it's so aesthetic. And uh, yeah, nothing. Didn't even like the post. But then, you know, I've had other things as well where I've just like taken um, a very quick and easy photo for my story and just said, I really like using this product. And off the back of that, brands have reached out to me saying, oh, we'd love to work with you. You know, like awesome that you love our product. Let's, let's have a chat. So obviously, again, it just depends on the brand. You don't know who's working there that day. So, you know, whoever's managing the account, you're just going to get lucky, right? But there are definitely ways that you can um, optimize to best improve your chances to uh, work with these brands. So um, yeah, you know, that, that, that's a really good approach. I'm trying to think of someone that I've worked with. Uh, yeah, so Nomad, for example, I actually bought their charge, uh, what, what do they call that thing? Hang on, it'll come to me now. It's the... Base station, so the Nomad base station, when um, Apple announced that they were no longer looking into air power, I think that was what it's called. Nomad's MagSafe, no, it was MagSafe, bloody hell, all these bloody product names. Nomad's base station was like the product at the time because obviously they were the only people who really had like a uh, solution. So I actually bought that at the time and that was way before like I was doing anything with tech on my uh, Instagram. But since then I've taken content pieces of that charger because it's a really nice product. Like it's not perfect, but it's pretty nice. It's premium. Um, and yeah, that got me onto Nomad's radar and you know, they've got a slightly different process in terms of how to work with them, but yeah, you know, that can work. You know, if you're creating content and you're showing that you can, you know, provide something that they will value, then great. 
Well, see, the caveat of that is they might just go, thanks for the free content. See you later. So, you know, if you're going to do it anyway, then why would we pay you or why would we give you products? So, you know, it's going to, it's going to vary, but, um, it has worked for me. It's a really uh, nice way of like flexing your skills as well. And it'll attract the, um, attention of brands too. So yeah, uh, those are just some of the main talking points that I had here. Um, I did ask yesterday, no, it wasn't. I asked earlier about, um, if anyone had any just general questions. So I'm going to pull those up in a minute, but let me just have a quick skim through here just in case I've missed anything. No, we're all good. Cool. Um, so yeah, those are basically uh, the main talking points that I had. Let me just pull up the questions that I got on my story. Okay, here we go. Okay, so I'm going to take this from the top. The simple Sarah. So I've shouted out Sarah on the podcast before. I definitely recommend you check out her account. So she asked tips on proposals and offering services. Okay. Um, so if in this example, I suppose it doesn't really matter. So let's say you started the conversation with a brand, right? More often than not, they'll have an idea of what they want. And that's depending on what platform you're looking at. Because, uh, you know, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it should be one single platform. For me, it's usually Instagram. But I have had brands reach out to me saying, we want something for Reddit or YouTube or whatever, right? Um, I don't really provide packages because my freelance work is more often than not, you know, bespoke in the way that I approach them. So, you know, I don't really have like a specific package that I, you know, provide to clients. I cater to their individual needs. So that kind of spills over into my personal content as well. But if I was going to approach this, I guess I guess I would say do what you enjoy and do what you feel comfortable doing, you know? Like I don't do a lot of short form content. I have done a little bit, but I'm I'm not big on reels or TikToks. So I'm not ever going to be pushing to make that sort of content to a brand. I'm not going to be like, "Oh, well I can make you, you know, X amount of stuff." So I guess try and create a package that best represents you as a creator. If you're someone who posts a lot of carousels and maybe like, you know, longer form content like YouTube, then create your packages around that, you know? Um, in terms of your proposals, there's a bug in here, that's annoying. Um, yeah, like I said, you know, approach things professionally. It might be a good idea to have like a, um, what do they call them? Uh, service list no that's not the word it came up recently hang on i'm gonna look at my email because i literally had this come up recently uh sorry this is like the scrappiest podcast episode i've done but i think this is probably where the most value is going to come out of it because it's like so niche right come on there she is right uh that was called a rate card. Why couldn't I think of the word for a rate card? Jesus. So yeah, it might be worth having a rate card as well, where you can attach the services that you're willing to provide with a cost so that you're very transparent about that. You're very upfront about it. And that way there's no, you know, room for confusion. So yeah, hope that answers your question, Sarah. Thanks for asking. Uh, moving on. So Chris, Chris Wilmshurst. Uh, again, someone else I've shouted out on the podcast, I think. Um, have you ever worked with a brand which did not like criticism or pointing out flaws? 
I think in this example, Chris means when I don't like something about a product, do I say it? Um, so this is an interesting one. If a company is sending you a product for review, that's a different thing to a brand partnership. Now, obviously I operate with integrity and I will not promote a product that I don't enjoy using or don't like, you know, and I'm very honest with like things I think could be better. So for example, you know, I've worked with Nomad, but the um, base station, it can be difficult to line up the uh, coils with your phone. So therefore, you know, it's difficult to align it to charge. You wake up the next day and your phone's not charged, which is annoying. But I know that they're trying to solve that problem because they have taken that feedback on board um, and now they've tried to integrate MagSafe into their you know new charges. So in that example, it's like, I don't, I don't need to worry about it. Right? I align myself with brands that I know were trying to make the best products possible. I don't really work with brands that I, I don't see value in. So, you know, if someone's flogging cheap phone cases, I'm just not going to work with them because I know that that's not something that's going to provide me or my audience value. So I, I turn down a lot of work. I turn down maybe it's, it's at least half of the offers that I get. And a lot of my shit offers, let's be honest. So, um, I don't really have to deal with that sort of situation too often, but to be honest, if I was to be in that situation and a brand turned around to me and said, you know, we're not happy with what you said about our products, you know, we paid you, blah, blah, blah. I would just remind them like, hey, you know, we didn't have any agreement. Well, hopefully that's the case. Um, we had no agreement in place to say that I, you know, was limited on what I could and couldn't say. I always try to be authentic with my audience, like I've already outlined. Um, so yeah, you know, the fact that your product doesn't meet, you know, my expectations isn't my fault. And that's how I'd probably approach that. So uh, no, I haven't worked with the brand that didn't like the criticism, but if I did, I'd tell them where to go. Okay. <laughs> uh, Michael Evans, good friend, uh, good friend of the, through Instagram. So Michael Evans said, what's the ratio of them reaching out to you versus you reaching out to them? Okay, so if I had to guess, it, it's probably about, at this point, 50-50. The, the caveat to that is obviously when a brand reaches out to me, I don't always want to work with them. Whereas if it's the other way around, I, you know, the answer is yes. It's only if their um, sort of expectations are too high and they want too many deliverables, you know, that's when I'll turn around and say, sorry, this isn't going to work out for me. But um, I've been really lucky and really fortunate with the brand partnerships I have had so far. So yeah, I'm trying to think now. I think I've maybe done like a dozen brand partnerships at this point. And if it's not 50-50, it's pretty close. Maybe like 60-40 in terms of like people coming to me versus me approaching people. So yeah, about about that right now. But you know, like I said, my experiences aren't going to reflect everyone. So hopefully that helps. Okay, so at what point do you say, oh, sorry, this is from uh, Sam Pack. Um, again, good friend of the Insta. So at what point do you say product exchange is not enough without scaring a brand? So what Sam is asking here is, um, how do you tell a brand, I don't work for free, basically? Like, you know, your product exchange is nice, it's lovely, but it's, it's not enough. So I think we have covered this already, Sam. Uh, so hopefully everything that we've talked about already has answered your question. But to summarize all of that, just reiterate that you're providing value to them that far exceeds the value of the product that they are sending you. 
you know. So a $99 screen bar from BenQ, they're just a good example. I, I'm sure it's a great product, right? So anyone's got that, I'm not, I'm not upset. I just, I wish they'd paid. Um, you know, like I said, they're getting your audience, they're getting your quality content, and they're getting your time. And all of those things combined are worth a lot. So if they're not willing to pay it, now you're in a position where you get to choose. Is this product worth it to you and worth your time? Like, because, you know, don't get me wrong, it's nice to have things sent to you for free. Um, I've, I've done smaller brand partnerships. And, you know, that in those cases, I wanted the products. So, and I like the brand. And I wanted to align myself with the brand. So it's your perception of that value in that specific example. But you should always try to be paid for your work. Okay? Thank you, Sam. Um, and then the last one is from the Zach Ariak. Hang on. Is it the Zach Ariak or is it Zach? Hold up, buddy. I'm going to look at your profile because I don't want to get this wrong. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. The Zach. I can't even find you. Like, what? Okay, whatever. Uh, Zach. <laughs> so Zach asked tips for small brands. Um, yeah, I guess I, I want to provide value. Like the easy answer is just like, you know, same as anyone else, Zach. So, you know, providing value comes at a cost. So go back to some of that. Now, what I will say is with a smaller brand that hasn't really established much of a social following, if you get there early enough before anyone else does, you have a real opportunity to help them create their brand identity. Uh, I know this is something that Michael has tried to do in the past, so you know, shout again to Michael Evans. If, if you find a brand that uh, wants to work with you and they're still growing, they're still trying to find their feet, you're in a really good position to help them establish their brand identity through the content that you produce. And if you can align your content with theirs, to such a point where like, that's how, that's just how they look, that's their brand. So a good example of this is uh, Nomad Goods. So I know that they employ, hang on now, I've forgotten his name. I'm terrible tonight, my memory is shocking. Uh, everyone doing good, yeah? Bear with me, we'll get there. Oh man. I can't find it. Anyway, there's a freelance photographer that works with Nomad and he has done for a while. It's bad that I can't remember his name, but there's a lot of people on Instagram, all right? Um, and obviously his approach to the product photography is just so integrated with Nomad's content across all of their channels, you know, website, socials, etc. that he's found himself almost irreplaceable, right? Um, so while Nomad still work with other creators, like he's still very much the person that creates their sort of headline uh, content. So if you can find a small brand that, you know, is at that point where they're still trying to establish themselves, that's a really good opportunity for you to not only uh, get paid for a project now and grow with that brand, but then to be paid for multiple things along the line. Uh, so yeah, hope that helps. Um, I have a question. So <laughs> I, I was thinking about this, but there wasn't really a, like an appropriate point to put this into the episode. Um, but if I was going to ask the question, what I would have said is, what's best, uh, one-off flat fee or a affiliate link slash scheme? 
And if I was going to answer that, which I am, I would say ideally both because, you know, there are benefits to both. Obviously, with a flat fee, you get paid and you know exactly how much you're going to get. Um, but with an affiliate link, it's got potential to scale. So, you know, if your post takes off and, you know, it goes a little bit viral, then you've got a potential to earn a lot of money through it. Now, that's not something that you can just predict. Obviously, if we could, we'd all be doing it. So that's up to you to decide which of those options you prefer. And I, I work on an affiliate basis with Nomad. Um, and let me tell you, it's hard. It's really hard to convince people to purchase something through your link. You know, it's the only form of attribution that these brands have. So I understand why they're quite keen to make it work. But I think in an ideal world, you'll get paid up front for the work that you do but then any subsequent actions that happen as a result of your content so you know through an affiliate link you should also get paid for um so yeah both in that situation is the best outcome um but i appreciate that is a big ask as well for a lot of people so yeah figure out the one that works for you um but yeah uh, i think that's everything for this episode um Bit of a scrappy one, so apologies for that. It's my first one after a little bit of a break, so you know, apologies for the uh, hiatus. But hopefully, we'll start again into the back, into the swing of things again. Um, and yeah, plenty of exciting things coming out soon. So definitely keep an eye on Instagram and YouTube because I'm going to be posting a fair few things there soon, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to leave it there. So see you on the next one. Cheers.